Welcome to this week's What It Really Means. I'm your host, Brad Shepard, and I'm joined by my co-host, Paul Harold. Paul, how's it going? It is going good. We got a week before. Hopefully, we're going to know on election night what the American people decide. Is it going to be four more years of uh, President Trump or uh, the Biden selling out our democracy to the communist Chinese? Well, after what we just heard Tuesday night on Tucker Carlson tonight with Tony Bobulinski, wow, Joe Biden cannot, I repeat, cannot be president. It's a giant uh, national security risk. That's an understatement, Brad. It, it is it, it is absolutely imperative <laughs> that the American, and I think they will. I, I think they will. Early voting uh, is not looking good for Democrats. Of course, we still don't know. Again, disclaimer, if you know of anyone in a battleground state specifically, get out, uh, uh, call them, tell them to vote because it's very, very important. But what we just heard on Tucker Carlson tonight with uh, Bob Alinsky, you know, coming forward, you know, it kind of struck me, Brad, just a few optics here. He said the reason he decided to go on the record is because he just couldn't stand his family name being run through the mud after the New York Post came out with a story that, that was censored and obviously grew in popularity because the Silicon Valley tech giant censored it. Uh, Adam Schiff and the like decided to cry, Russia, Russia, Russia. And he didn't like that because he's a patriot, he says. He served in the military. His family served in the military. So he decided to come forward. It did dawn on me, though, and I don't, I'm not saying I doubt his sincerity, but it did kind of dawn on me if Joe Biden does get elected, Mr. Bobulinski would make an excellent fall guy when all of this comes out inevitably, or if it were going to come out. So him coming forward now is a way to protect his family as well as stand up for his family, Brad. He told the Bidens, he told Democrats, you have to retract this phony Russian narrative about me because it's damaging to my reputation or I'm going to spill the beans. I mean, that's basically what he said. So he even gave them an opportunity to correct the record and they still didn't do it. They still stuck with the Russian narrative. Joe Biden was repeating the Russian narrative. It's the Russia insanity that we saw four years ago. And at this point, I have to wonder who would possibly fall for that. I don't think the American people are at this point. I mean, they're, they're sick and tired of hearing that it's all Russia, Russia, Russia. As a matter of fact, that he even talked about how the Cold War is over. Uh, just, just listen to this because we also get to the end here uh, where he, uh, he talks about and plays a little bit of the – Tucker plays a little bit of the phone recording – of one of the Biden family associates saying, you're going to take us all down with you if you go public. Listen. The FBI can interview them. Our government can interview them. But I was shocked that not only the media is not only discussing this, they're going to the other extreme. They're dismissing it as Russian disinformation. This country has heard enough of it. We went through three years of every day, Russia, Russia, Russia. It's just absurd. The Cold War is over. And they're saying about your family? Yes. The Biden family knew that you're going public with this. And you spoke to Rob Walker about it. Again, the, the self-described Biden family representative. And Biden family, meaning Joe Biden as well. What was his response when you let him know that you were going public with this? Uh, 
trying to coach me, <laughs> trying to sort of say, hey, we don't want to do that. We don't want, you know, press trucks out in front of our house. I'm going to have to move. Uh, I could lose my job. Um, and uh, all that, um, you know, I'm not trying to cause any harm to anyone in this situation, right. let alone Rob Walker and his family, James Gillier and, uh, and his family. Um, but basically, Rob's position was, if you go on record with all these facts, you'll bury all of us. If he doesn't come out on record, I am uh, dividing the family. You just bury all of us, man. So, so there you have it. You get it all right there. Russia, 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 uh, as well as, hey, man, if you go public with this, you're going to bury us all, man. It's incredible. It doesn't get any more clearer than that. I thought this interview was very insightful on Tucker. Tw May 13th, 2017, the Biden family's top guy put on paper that Joe Biden was going to get a 10% stake in their China company with the stake held by Hunter. Bobolinsky suggests that James Biden ended up holding Joe's stake. So in other words, that's how they did it so that Joe could have plausible deniability. And that was the idea. Um, and so it's becoming really evident at this point that they had an entire system to use Joe's office, but also cover it up so that it couldn't be pointed back to Joe. You think there's any uh, Democrats who are just really disappointed? You know, like the 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 Clintonian, Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton diehards that are like, well, back in my day, it would have never gotten to this point because this guy uh, would have never <laughs> seen the light of day again. We would have never let Bobolinsky get to the press because he would have been, you know, uh, what, what suicided, I guess. Um, I, you know, what I thought was interesting, Brad, about this is uh, he did go into a little bit of the details of the scheme and. It's not just a Chinese scheme uh, in terms of there are other countries involved. Now, they did mention Kazakhstan. Bobulinski saying that there's a separate Kazakhstan deal Hunter Biden was working on, but he doesn't know the details. He also mentioned, uh, you know, uh, Monaco, Romania and other countries that were essentially going to be involved in, in taking the money funneling it through the Chinese company referred he referred to throughout the interview as CFC. And then that company was then going to go to Bobolinsky or the Biden company that he was the CEO of, um, a Sinohawk is the name of it, Sinohawk. And I believe the Hawk is named after, for those of the media that don't want to treat this like a legitimate story, it's named after uh, the late Bo Biden. Uh, apparently a Hawk was his favorite animal. So, uh, that was very interesting to me that he not only has all of these documents, all of these text messages, everything is substantiated, but he actually got into a little bit of how they're doing this with, with other countries. And of course we know that the communist Chinese, they have the political arm, but then they have this, this communist slash capitalist arm where they go into a country and they want something and they, they grease the politicians, they pay off the politicians. Now, this is easily documented, by the way, uh, when it comes to third world nations or nations like Kazakhstan and others, uh, South America as well, Zimbabwe. It's very well documented. This is how the Chinese government operates. They operate and thrive by getting into countries, by exploiting their corrupt politicians. Why would we think the United States, they're going to treat us any different? There may be more steps. You've, you've got to find a legitimate businessman like Bobolinsky to run it for you. There are more steps because we have more laws and more transparency, but there's still a way to do it. And that's what we that's what we're finding out here. Maybe a little bit more complicated, but it's still 
And we haven't even talked about the laptop, which has developed Brad over the last week. The uh, the potential for blackmail, and I, I've seen some of the uh, I've seen some of the the photos blurred out. Uh, they are out there, and the potential for blackmail is just enormous. Who knows what else the communist Chinese have on not just Hunter, but other U.S. politicians, other titans of industry. I think it's very clear here as we draw closer to this election. If you didn't think the communist Chinese were a threat, you certainly have to think that they are now. I mean, I don't. If the sky must not be blue if you don't think that we're facing um, really uh, subversion and, and outright invasion in some cases uh, on all fronts, from our industry to you know all the way down to local governments. Brad, it's it's really bad. And Hunter Biden and the Biden family. We're exploiting it, uh, using his taxpayer-funded position as vice president and senator for who knows how long uh, to run these schemes, and he cannot be president of the United States unless we just want to go ahead and start flying the the communist Chinese flag over the White House. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I've certainly talked about that on UncoveredDC.com, where I called China our biggest threat. Uh, We've talked about that as well on this very podcast. They're an enormous threat. And coming out of the Daily Caller, an article, uh, federal court authorized a FISA warrant against one of Hunter Biden's Chinese business partners, according to court documents. The existence of a FISA warrant against the Biden associate Patrick Ho indicates that federal investigators believed Ho was working covertly as an agent of a foreign government. You figure out which one that would be. Ho is an executive at uh, CEFC China Energy, a firm, of course, that paid Hunter Biden at least $5 million as part of an investment deal. And Biden would also later represent Ho as well during his criminal case. Here, here's the bottom line. If Donald Trump doesn't win, Brad, um, we're never going to see any justice we're not going to hear any more about this. The truth is, if this were Donald Trump Jr. or Eric Trump or any of the Trump children that were involved in, you know, a tenth of this, it would be, it would be front page news everywhere. You wouldn't hear if there was a laptop, if there were videos and photos, uh, and you know the questions about why the FBI didn't pursue charges when on this laptop there are clearly more questions than answers. It's it's unbelievable. And if and if Joe Biden wins, we will never hear another word about it. And the criminals win. I agree. And we know the Bobolinsky interview was about the deal between the Biden family and CEFC. As I just mentioned now, a little bit of history. CEFC was run by Yi Jinming. Uh, Yi Jinming has been detained by Xi Jinping since 2018. Do you think the chairman has any dirt on the Biden family knowing that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I I also found I'm so glad Tucker Carlson left in the last part of the interview. I'm sure they had more material than they had time for in that hour slot. But uh, at the very end, when Tony uh, uh, Bobulinski, he calls Hunter and says, hey, you know, 
the company that we worked on, we did all this. It hasn't been funded yet. We're supposed to be waiting on this $10 million of seed money. It's still not here yet. Is there something I need to know about? If you've gone around me, you know, perhaps you formed another company with another guy, you know, what's going on? Am, am I wasting my time here? And he says, well, actually, I'm now the personal attorney. We found this out in the interview. I'm the personal attorney of the chairman of CEFC. Now, that's 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 what I'm doing, and I'm advising him on matters, and we may have some more deals in the future. And when when uh, Mr. Bobolinsky kind of pressed pressed uh, pressed him on it, he he said that he was doing um, something to do with visas as kind of a, uh, and I don't think he bought that for a second, and I don't buy it. I've heard that excuse before. I'll get into that at a later date, maybe. But good grief, I mean, what what is going on here? Uh, and you have the it, it, we, the CEFC buying a big stake in a Russian energy company, and you're the son of the vice president. And now at that time, uh, Joe was out of office, but still, I mean, you might as well just walk around with a neon sign saying "for sale." We're we're for sale. Uh, he might be president one day, and uh, you know we're for sale. The country's for sale. Our our republic is for sale. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Again, Joe Biden cannot be president. Uh, and Bubulinski brought the goods. He said, Hunter Biden personally told me that Joe Biden directly rejected corporate governance guardrails that I wanted to put on the company I was running for the Biden family. In other words, Bubulinski wanted to do things the right way. Joe Biden said, I don't think so. Don't take his word for it. He says, it's literally in a text message from Hunter Biden. And that's the thing about it. Bubulinski had the goods. He had the audio, he had the text, etc. There's no dispute about that. What else there's no dispute about now is he talked about my chairman. There is a text message from Rob Walker, a Biden confidant, confirming that the chairman being referenced in text was Joe Biden. It's in the text messages. They're referring to Joe Biden. There is no longer an argument that Joe Biden didn't know about this and wasn't involved in the benefits of this. Uh, Joe Biden is directly implicated in all of this now, and he is, you know, there are, there was all this talk in the initial meeting between Joe Biden and Bobulinski that, that they just kind of had a high-level discussion, and they didn't talk specifics about business. Well, between Hunter and Joe, it seems like they are having specifics about business, and it seems like Joe Biden uh, wanted his money and got his money because that's the other thing there was money that changed hands i mean the transaction is is done and the biden's got rich and you know joe biden can talk on the in the debate you know all he wants about uh you know how it's my tax returns it's alleged illegal activity joe no one's expecting that to show up in your tax returns okay we're, it, it, it's so interesting how they just they think that we're all just complete you know, morons. And then they tried to bring up Brad, the bank account that the president had in China and closed in China. You, you know what? If you want to, if you want to attempt to do legitimate business in China, you're going to have to have a bank account. But if you're trying <laughs> to do illegitimate business, you're not going to have a bank account because it's just all going to be where, you know, it's not going to be transparent. So if people just use a little common sense here, they'll, they'll figure out, of course, I felt like the debate went great. Uh, for the president, really bad for Joe Biden. I thought it was a home run pretty much for Donald Trump. Joe Biden started out reasonably strong, not great or anything, but 
you know, for the low bar he had set, I thought he started out fine, but he quickly devolved. I mean, as the debate wore on, he quickly um, tired out, right? He just looked like he would rather be anywhere else. He was tired. He was low energy. He was checking his watch. It was it was very interesting to watch him totally bomb that debate. Yeah, uh, it was entertainment for me and my whole family. I, I got to tell you, <laughs> it, it really was. Um, we we saw the president. Well, first of all, let me let me start with what I said was going to happen or likely to happen, and I'm going to own this for a little bit. Because as we go forward with with these What It Really Means podcasts, I do want to hold myself accountable. And Brad, you feel free to hold me accountable, too. One of the things that I said was that the mute button that they're going to put on the mics was going to backfire tremendously. Um, I was wrong about that because there really wasn't a lot of muting the mics while the president or while Joe Biden was, you know, continuing to talk over time. Um, That just didn't seem to happen as much, I think just from my memory, it only happened once that I remember. So it didn't quite back for, but my second uh, speculation was that the mute button silver lining was, it was going to force Joe Biden to talk more. And that ended up turning out to be true because uh, just the more he talked, the better it got for the president. I mean, to the very end of the debate, when he asked Joe Biden, are you going to end the fossil fuel industry? And Joe Biden moronically says, says, yeah, that they're going to get rid of it. And then you hear the, the moderator who says, why would you say that? <laughs> you know, and there's plenty of memes out there about that. But yeah, it was a, a home run, like you said, Brad, home run for the president. And I thought he was really, really strong um, when it came to the racist accusations and the Biden campaign put up the video as a plus for them, which is, shows you how completely tone deaf they are. They put up this video of of Joe Biden calling the president Abraham Lincoln. And then and then Trump is like, Who, what are you talking about? I, I didn't say I'm Abraham Lincoln. I said since Abraham Lincoln. And it made Joe Biden look pretty ridiculous, in my opinion. But the campaign, I guess they thought it worked well for them. The president was great hammering the crime bill, bringing up the fact that Joe Biden's had 47 years uh, to do it, as as well as eight years in the White House, uh, putting tens of thousands of young uh, black men in jail. I think that was really good. There might have been a lot of black Americans hearing that for the very first time and then going and looking it up and realizing that it was, in fact, true. And then when he kept pressing Joe Biden, there was that awkward pause where uh, Joe Biden said, uh, we had a Republican Congress, beat, 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 that's your answer. I mean, he just looked like his age. He, he looked like he was struggling, and, and again, it was really yeah. good for the president. I, I think he got to make some uh, policy points, which was important. Uh, he was a lot more disciplined this time, and uh, I thought it was his best debate ever, actually, so... It was really good. And again, as you said, Biden showed his age. The more and more uh, things came about. By the way, Joe Biden also thought he was uh, George Bush. I don't know (laughs) if you saw that Uh, interview where he twice called him George, referring to four more years. And then uh, you could see Jill Biden and she's mumbling Trump, Trump. 
a couple of times to Joe, and then he finally picks up and, and refers to him as Trump again. But man, and, and then the media ran cover. Uh, George Lopez. Yeah, Four more I mean, years of George Lopez. That makes no sense. Absolutely no <laughs> sense. And, you know, and if there are any ventriloquists out there that uh, want to get into political consulting next in the next four years, you know, there's going to be more Jill Bidens out there. And you can use this as an example in your resume. See, I could have taught you how to how to say the right name without your lips moving. So you never know. It could be a, a new budding industry out there for some ventriloquists wanting to kind of moonlight as political consultants. It's really incredible. I mean, it it truly is. Uh, and, and Joe Biden is the gift that keeps on giving. I mean, he, he tweeted out this week about uh, Jacob Blake. He's talking about names that will not soon be forgotten. Uh, not by me, not by us, not by this country. They're going to inspire a new wave of justice in America. And again, he's referring to Jacob Blake, who allegedly sexually assaulted his baby's mother, had a knife as police tried to apprehend him, and he assaulted them. And, and this is a person who will not be forgotten and will bring in a new wave of justice in America. I mean, the cognitive dissonance there. Uh, you see the riots in Philadelphia, and it looks like a Biden rally. I, I, I mean, that's, it, it's all of his supporters. And they're burning it down over a uh, black male suspect who is shot with a knife advancing aggressively towards police officers with their guns drawn. What are we supposed to do now? I mean, (laughs) we're literally getting to the point now where it's not just were they armed. It doesn't even matter as much anymore if they're armed, but rather what is the race? I mean, if you'll riot over that scenario, you'll riot over anything. You know, yeah, I, you know, the polls are starting to tighten a little bit, but you still have the polls out there that are that are predicting, you know, President Trump's going to lose, Biden's up by nine points nationwide and that sort of thing. But there's also some other reports where businesses are boarding up their windows and they look to be preparing for a Donald Trump win. Uh, and that's the unfortunate thing here, Brad, is that this rioting is going to continue in a big way. If, 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 uh, well, if Donald Trump wins, it's going to continue for a little while, and there's going to be a crackdown. There's going to be a mandate, and the things are going to get under control. If Joe Biden were to win, uh, the the militant behavior of the left, the we will riot if we, you know, don't have the right you know, flavored donut in the morning or whatever, that that's going to continue that that's going to continue in a big way. And we know somebody like Joe Biden or even Kamala Harris, who's one of the most liberals, uh, has one of the most liberal voting records in the United States Senate. That's still not as far left as the folks up in Portland wanted to go and others. So, um, the stakes of this election are very, very high. And I think, a lot of Americans, especially with that oil comment in the debate, I mean, that certainly solidified in a huge way blue-collar voters who are on the fence. Because if you're going to, whether you're in the oil and gas industry or not, okay, if if they're coming for them, you're somewhere on the list as well. 
Okay, uh, it just they just haven't come for you yet. But th- this this climate change uh, green new deal where socialism and communism is always the answer to our problems is going to be rejected on election night. And uh, I'm thinking Trump's going to win. And I'm thinking there's a reason those businesses are boarding up their windows. Well, congratulations to Democrats. You've nominated a mafia Don with dementia. (laughs) Just when I think you couldn't outdo yourself with Hillary Clinton you raised the bar and this radical element of the Democrat Party, whether it's his supporters who are rioting and looting in the streets or whether it's the politicians like AOC, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Ilhan Omar talking about packing the court and other drastic measures. Uh, this party is going extreme at 100 miles an hour. I mean, I know every election, everything is the worst, but this truly does feel like the most important election ever. I think the cliche is true this time because there's so much at stake. Yeah, and and I I am guilty. I'm guilty of saying it every four years, Um, but I really, I feel it more. Um, And if I have to, if I have to accept the, (laughs) you know, maybe, maybe I wasn't as genuine as I should have been in years past, but this year... It, it, I, I mean, I really feel unsafe. I, I, I can't. I've never been one to, to feel unsafe with a, even with Barack Obama. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I didn't feel like my streets could devolve, you know, in, in a twenty-four hour span, and my family actually be at risk. I, I really feel that now. I feel with a Biden presidency. Uh, everything, the little minute things that we take for granted every day are up to be taken away in some way or form. We're dealing with a left now that believes certain words are the equivalent of violence. And it's in the extremes. We've seen it on college campuses. I watched uh, Dennis Prager and Adam Carolla's documentary, No Safe Spaces. It's really, really good if you haven't seen it. Um, and, but it's a, it's a preview it is a preview of what is coming. We we have had our, our education systems uh, poisoning the minds uh, with anti-Western civilization thoughts for a long time now, and the chickens are going to come home to roost uh, if somebody like Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are in the White House, if they are emboldened. Uh, but you know, if we stand up and we go vote and we say, no, we're rejecting this radical, uh, politically correct, totalitarian nonsense— uh, then we can we can stop this. I, I have written down here just a few things uh, in terms of what the stakes are, Brad. Um, and one of them is uh, it's just general freedom. Uh, again, the idea that speech is violence is as abhorrent in the context of in the American Constitution. But Amy Coney Barrett being put on the Supreme Court is absolutely a huge win. Um, it, it is, su- it, it, it was the one thing in, in light of the stakes, in light of how unsafe I think we'll all feel if a Joe Biden is president, the fact that Amy Coney Barrett is on the court, uh, you know, giving us a firm five, four majority, everyone's saying six, three, six, three. Well, you can't count John Roberts. We all know you can't count John Roberts. Right. Uh, but it being a firm five, four, I really, I thought of my, uh, thought of my daughter and I just thought, you know, I think she's got a chance now. 
with the court being what it is, she actually has a chance now for her to grow up and actual true constitutional religious liberty will be protected, will be upheld. Uh, you know, if, if Trump doesn't get three Supreme court picks and, and uh, I, I don't think that's true. I, I think we are going so quickly to saying that certain words are violence. Well, pretty soon that's going to affect how we live our daily lives. And they want complete totalitarian agreement, not just in what you say online or how you interact with somebody, but they want to know that in your brain, you completely agree with their worldview. And that's terrifying. And they're willing to go to the courts to mandate it, as we've seen in other countries like Canada. They love free speech as long as you agree with them. Right. I mean, um, you know, they want you to go along with the group think is really what it amounts to. You're not allowed to have free thought. Um, they want everyone to fall in line. And, and it's really, you know, it, again, it's displaying the behavior that they accuse other people of. That's the irony of all of this. The real racist behavior, the real fastest behavior. They want everybody to fall in line um, or they want you gone, right? You comply or they want you gone. They want to punish you in every way possible, get you fired from your job, humiliate you, do what they can to hurt you, even physically attack you. It's, it's getting into uncharted territory for modern times. And so I think a lot of people feel that safety element that you talk about, Paul. And I think that law and order message resonates with those people as well. Um, I, I hope it does. People tend to act based on avoidance of pain. So in these, in these uh, states like Washington and Wisconsin and, uh, and other places where you've seen these, you know, these riots happen and the, the lack of law and order, and you've seen the governors basically, you know, abdicate their responsibility to protect their citizens by enforcing the law and essentially just let the mayhem. I mean, it's like the third Batman, Christopher Nolan Batman movie where everybody just is going crazy and the, and everything else. Um, I really think people have now experienced some pain. They've experienced the lunacy of the left and hopefully now they're going to vote, vote to avoid that pain from continuing. That may be the only silver lining in all of this. We're a nation of laws, but these Democrat governors have acted like we're a nation of men where we can just capriciously decide which laws we're going to enforce. And, and, and you know what, I, you know, n nobody's perfect, but we're not talking about some minute tax law somewhere that we may or may not. We're talking about the basic concept of nonviolence and our police being able to arrest people when they do things that are against the law, basic things, you know, like threaten violence, our violence, steal, and we are, we are now experiencing just complete you know chaos and, and bedlam. We've seen it all during this year, all during 2020. We've also seen the hypocrisy, by the way, of 
you know, when you're riding, the masks and the coronavirus are just not even a thing to talk about. But, you know, if you go to go to church, then, you know, that's obviously you're you're terrible. And you're not loving your neighbor because you're meeting and going to church. And the coronavirus is a topic we must discuss. So I think the average person, Brad, has seen these hypocrisies, has seen what the stakes are throughout this year. And I really think they're going to shock the left. I, I could be wrong. I will be very, very upset if Donald Trump loses. There's no question about it. But I think we're going to have a repeat of 2016 all over again. And I think if you're a pollster, if you're a pollster out there and you've got any hope or you want you, you want to be able to have a career <laughs> after this, your polls better start getting a little bit more accurate in the last couple of days because uh, I, I think it's going to it could possibly be a landslide for Trump. I really think that. Well, Frank Lund said if they're getting it wrong again in this election, the pollsters are done. And I say good. I really do. And, and we have to really watch these uh, these polling stations. I mean, what do we see coming out of Project Veritas this week? A Texas quote-unquote Republican consultant and a ballot chaser illegally pressures voter, a senior, to change her vote to the Democratic candidate with a gift saying, quote, if I go to prison, I do not look cute in stripes. I will hate you forever. Mm. Well, we know that there is some election rigging going on. There's no question about it. So those are things we have to watch. And we have to be able to call out and hold Democrats accountable because it's become very clear they plan for a legal battle in the court system if it's at all possible. Yeah, they're doing the best they can. And, you know, knowing what we know about the media and everything they've been trying to say over the last couple of years, you know, Texas may be turning purple. Texas may be turning purple. It may we might be able to make Texas go blue. Well, they're cheating. I mean, they're who knows how long this is. This operation has been going on where they've been, you know, essentially uh, prowling for seniors to try to change their votes from re voting Republican to voting Democrat. Uh, so, you know, it, nothing surprises me anymore, Brad, about this. Um, I, I will say just in in general, I'm starting to see a few things electorally that uh, cause me to think that the Democrats are beginning to panic. I know they're seeing the early voting totals down in Florida and how how well Republicans are doing. I, I yeah. uh, tweeted out a Pew Research about how Republicans have closed the gap when it comes to registering new Republicans in Florida versus the Democrats. And so uh, everyone says, well, maybe these early voting numbers are, are not good for Republicans because they're cannibalizing their Election Day vote. Uh, you, you need to go look at the amount of registered Republicans that, 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 that are still there, that still haven't voted. Um, but... Kind of an update, uh, you know how I talk about how the left always falls into their own nets, okay? So here's an update on falling into your own nets. The former attorney general of the United States <laughs> under Barack Obama, Eric Holder, was censored today on Twitter. You say, Paul, why, why was he censored? What did he tweet? He tweeted this, quote, It's too late to use the mails. 
Given Supreme Court rulings, I urge everyone to now vote in person, early vote, or use drop boxes. Protect your health, but don't let the court and the deliberately crippled postal service deprive you of your most precious civil right. Plan to vote. Well, so Twitter temporarily censored that tweet for misinformation. Do you know why, ladies and gentlemen? Because Twitter didn't get the memo fast enough that the Democrat strategy, big tech strategy, has changed and that is, uh-oh, ma- voting by mail is not giving us the results that we want. They're seeing these early voting numbers in battleground states, and they're realizing, uh-oh, uh, all of the fear-mongering that we have done uh, on the coronavirus. I'm not saying the virus isn't real, not saying people haven't died from it, not saying any of that. We, we have made the, uh, the cure worse than the disease in so many instances, and now it's extremely partisan. I mean, where I live, even wearing a mask at some sometimes, not all the times, can be a political symbol at this point. And and so you have Republicans who are willing to go to the polls and you have Democrats who are willing to stay at home. You have the 18 to 24 demographic that's not turning out the way they thought. And so Eric Holder gets censored on Twitter (laughs) because their own nets worked against them, at least in this in this instance, because you're not supposed to tell anybody not to vote by mail. Because that's what they've been doing. That's what they've been telling all of us to do, right? They they can't stand that the president wants you to turn out uh, and vote in person. And I think they're starting to panic because they're looking at the same numbers that you know everybody has access to, Brad. You don't wheel out Barack Obama at the end of the election if you're winning by 10 points. Uh, you know, <laughs> that's right. You know, even the Biden campaign themselves have said, this race is a lot closer than the polls are indicating. And I think the pollsters, once again, at least to some degree, are going to get it wrong. I really do believe that. How much? I don't know. I could guess. But I definitely think they have it wrong again, uh, which is pretty incredible. But yeah, they're panicking. Now, all of a sudden, forget COVID-19, right? So now they're encouraging you. Let's go out. Let's have a super spreader event, as they would call it. Well, it wouldn't be a super spreader event if you were voting for Biden. If it were a Trump rally, CNN would call it a super spreader event. But but you're right. Now they want you to go out and vote in person. And they're panicking about those numbers in particular in those swing states that they know Biden has to win to win the election. I saw a Babylon B article because, uh, you know, in California, their governor, Gavin Newsom, has decided to just basically cancel uh, cancel Thanksgiving. Um, I, you know, I never thought I never thought that we that it, it, that is that is the one thing that's scary. Even California, you know, you'd like to think that Americans uh, still can agree on I have the right to be left alone and I have the right to freedom of speech, you know. But no, 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 no. I mean, just the willingness of some people in California to just go along with what the governor says. And now they're going to say, you know, the most um, the, the uniquely American holiday that is Thanksgiving. Now, you know, we need to regulate how many people you can have over. And so I saw a Babylon Bee article that said uh, people are just going to have a a, a a turkey barbecue Black Lives Matter dinner on Thanksgiving. And then they'll be exempt. You know, then they won't have to come under any of those uh you know, those scrutinies. Um, and I was watching a YouTube video. I got an ad that pop, popped up and it was a McCormick ad, you know, the spice company. And of course they want you to buy all their spices, their thyme, their rosemary for your Turkey. And, uh, in the ad, it, uh, it factored in this, 
this malaise. I don't mean to use a Jimmy Carter word, but this this malaise, and it's a phony malaise. It factored in the fact, well, not everybody, not everybody can be together for Thanksgiving like normal, but McCormick is still there. We're your spice company. And I just thought, this is ridiculous. I mean, this is ridiculous. We have the ad agencies that have bought in. Corporate America has bought in. And I don't think the average American feels this way. I mean, I think they're, you know, they're screaming more like they're screaming that we're not going to take it song instead. That's the feeling that I get right now. People are sick of it and they're having it shoved down their throat in spice commercials. And that's, again, kind of brings me to what this what this election is about. The media's relevance. When I say media's relevance here, I'm in I'm also encompassing corporations that buy a a phony bogus narrative. That's what also is on trial here. As much as I get worked up about the media, if Donald Trump wins this election, we don't have to get as worked up by them because clearly no one is listening to their BS. And so, you know, that is a huge issue here for me personally, my my own yeah. sanity as I lay my head on, on my pillow at night. Call your friends in battleground states, please, and tell them to go vote. If Donald Trump wins, we are in an essence, sticking it to the media. And if he does not win, I think the media doubles down. And that's the dangerous aspect for me. In fact, when you talk about the scandal with Bubulinski and the Biden crime family, what stands out to me just as much as anything is the mainstream media cover-up of essentially what is something that I would consider treasonous. Uh, you know, and so to me, the fact that the media is laying it all out there, right, major modern political scandal, probably the second biggest modern political scandal behind the Biden-Obama administration spying on the Trump campaign. So you've got the media covering that up. They're completely complicit, but they're showing their hand once again. And, and so now you have to frame it, the narrative of they're not an unbiased media operation reporting the news. No, they are partisan hacks who are presenting a political biased narrative to help get their candidate elected. And I think when you look at it that way, things make a lot more sense. You can also never go back once you look at it that way. But man, the media cover up of this, if this story is not on the front page of every newspaper this week, you know, is big tech going to be censoring this? This is an enormous story that needs to be the top story in America. I'm betting it's not going to be. I'm intrigued by what you're saying, because I think there's got to be something done about the mainstream media, because we're essentially talking about. Um, the very thing they accused the president of, and that is collusion with a foreign government. I really don't think we can get, well, we're, you know, there are they promoting an agenda? Certainly. Where's that agenda coming from? Who benefits the most from it? A communist totalitarian government benefits the most from it. And so then I kind of look at just the spectrum of things and where do we know for a fact that the ch- communist Chinese government has infiltrated and is getting what they want? We know it's happened in Hollywood. 
Okay, we know in that uh, that they are having an enormous impact on uh, what movies can be made, the content of what you can say about the Chinese government in those movies, and we're talking like big Hollywood action flicks, like the the sequel to Top Gun with Tom Cruise. You look at the NBA, the NBA bowing down to communist China, all because you had a Dallas Mavericks guy, you know, tweet out solidarity with Hong Kong, right? And and it goes on and on and on. Okay, so. Are we to assume that somehow the mainstream media, ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, uh, CNN, MSNBC, they are somehow immune to this? We would be morons if we thought that. So I think you can make a clear case that the media is ignoring this story because it exposes the Chinese government as being a bunch of thugs who are willing to buy off American politicians. And I think we have journalists who are compromised. I think we have, you know, people uh, within our own government that are clearly compromised. Hello, Joe Biden was in our government for eight years and for 47 years total. We know that Dianne Feinstein was involved with the Chinese. She had a Chinese spy she, quote, didn't know about working for her for 27 years. There's a mayor of a Chinese town who has ascended the ranks. Uh, of the Communist Chinese Party, and you can chart the trajectory of Dianne Feinstein along with him. So Dianne Feinstein is essentially the American counterpart of a of a Chinese uh, uh, mayor of a town that is just they've both climbed the ladder together through business deals. And so the mainstream media, to your point, Brad, something's got to be done, but we have to be able to call a spade a spade and recognize that. Uh, we've allowed foreign powers to influence us, and that's why these stories are not getting out. I mean, you, it's not—it's not even about the money. They, they'd rather take the money from the Chinese. I mean, if you had—if you had a laptop of Don Jr. Uh, with uh, you know underage girls and everything else, and and all of these pay-for-play or, or all of these uh, scandals with the Chinese government and and getting extra money benefiting off of the the office of the vice president. The ratings alone should be enough monetary incentive to get this all over the American media. The ratings incentive, the money alone, but it's not about the money, is it? Well, it's it's probably because they're, they don't ratings don't matter. The agenda matters. The agenda is funded by the communist Chinese. Yeah, it sure is. And Joe Biden is not mentally competent to protect our country, even if you believe he's corrupt. And I do. At this point, he's also mentally incompetent and so that provides a secondary danger to the american public as well and again i really do believe you're voting for a kamala harris presidency if you vote for joe biden because ultimately he won't last uh four years but man this guy he he referred to kamala harris's husband as her wife <laughs> that was this week. Oh, he just isn't all there. They asked him about court packing at one event, and he was having a clear brain freeze. He didn't know what was going on. He was completely lost. They actually uh, shushed away the reporters, moved them out of the area in the middle of him trying to struggle to answer this question. So he's just he's not there. And if a guy like Joe Biden, if any political candidate is not willing to work for your vote or not able to, then how are they going to work for you as the president of the United States? 
It just doesn't add up for a lot of different reasons. I think we've laid those out pretty clearly. Yeah, Biden bad. And that's important for people to know because there are people who are going to vote for President Trump solely based on that. But, Paul, there's people like you and I that are not going to do that. They're going to vote for President Trump based on his accomplishments. Uh, Donald Trump refuses to dance to the beat that the mainstream media plays. Uh, What this has fundamentally done over four years is it started us on the path to break free of political correctness and the speech police and these totalitarians that want to control what you say, but they eventually really want to control what you think. Uh, That is so powerful, and that is the number one reason I'm voting for the president is because he is... He is honest with us in who he is and doesn't try to put out a phony moral decency uh, that that placates us, but while we're being lied to. I think Donald Trump represents an uncomfortable truth instead of comfortable lies. That's why I'm going to vote for for the president. I'm also uh, recognizing his economic accomplishments and what I think is going to happen over the next four years. He recognizes fundamentally the issue uh, with these politicians who have sold out the American people and everything that we have wanted, everything that would be good for us. They've done the opposite. They've sold us out. He fundamentally recognizes that globalism, however you want to define that, was not in the best interest of the majority of the American people. I think he truly wants the American people to be able to govern themselves within the process that we've been given by the United States Constitution. And it is it is unbelievable that he's been able to do this. And again, I, I say this as somebody who in 2016, during the primary process, I was not a supporter of President Donald Trump. I didn't I just simply didn't believe him. I di- I simply doubted his sincerity. I didn't think he was going to do what he said, and I didn't really think he understood. But it, when he's got into office, he has he has backed the concept of federalism. He has backed the concept of of smaller government for the most part. It, nobody's perfect. But uh, the coronavirus, for example, they wanted him to go in and nationalize everything. He yeah. said, no, I'm going to leave it up to the governors. It has been amazing to me for somebody yes. who has 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 dealt with and 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 preached the uh, esoteric ideas of limited government and the benefits of freedom for the president to not necessarily articulate that on the campaign trail the first time, but go in and implement it was, was so such a breath of fresh air. I've never been more happy to be wrong and I've never been happier politically speaking to cast a second vote for four more years of president Donald Trump. You know, for me being a nationalist and populist, That's what I loved about President Trump from the very beginning, along with the culture war, right? He speaks out against the culture war and those SJWs and the political correctness uh, and those sort of movements. So I love that because we need a fighter who maybe they're not perfect, but they're not afraid to sling the mud back. And they're not going to just take it like conservatives have historically Taking the high road hasn't gotten conservatives anywhere. You have to play by the rules set by your opponents. And what we've seen the Democrats do, well, I mean, 
they've spied on his campaign. They've done a lot of things, as we just talked about with, with the Biden family. We know the scandals in the Obama administration. The Democrats are organized. They have a game plan and they stick to it. They do that very well. So sometimes that high road isn't such a great idea because it just doesn't work. So I think that element of what President Trump does in fighting that culture war is great for our country, the direction of our country. And when we talk about that nationalist populist agenda, all I'm really saying, what it really means is America first. That means getting trade deals that will benefit American workers instead of people in China or people in Mexico, etc. That means not keeping our troops overseas in endless wars for no reason. So that means bringing the troops home. That's what Donald Trump is doing. He's the first president in decades not to start a new war. And to me, that's incredible. That is incredible. His foreign policy has been the best of any president that I can recall in my lifetime. I mean, his foreign policy is outstanding, outstanding. And it's exactly why the Presidential Debate Commission did not want to talk about it, because they know that's a lose-lose situation for their candidate of choice, Joe Biden. They certainly wanted him to start a lot of wars. I mean, he had opportunities. He was given, you know, he even, I think, in a strategic manner, surrounded himself with a few people that had the traditional foreign policy, uh, you know, let's invade, 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 and just continue to destabilize the countries we're invading. I don't know if you heard this in the debate the other night, but he did touch on this, and I, I, I'm just not remembering this, Brad, but I looked at my family and I just said, did the President of the United States just admit on national television, that wars in the Middle East are because we want their oil? Because he he said that, essentially, that, you know, be, it was on the energy independent section when he was talking about how we're now energy independent in America and how that means we don't have to fight, you know, Middle Eastern wars. And I, <laughs> I thought that's incredible. He and it got very little coverage because it wasn't overt. You know, it was it was it was couched in energy independence. I thought to myself, I can't believe an, an elected American president just said that because you know what? That used to be something that the left would say that used to be something that, you know, for decades, people who are far left yeah. and they were anti-war. They're like, well, we're just over there because of the oil. And then, you know, the people who are George W. Bush you know, uh, fanatics were like, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. We're over there for different reasons. <laughs> and here, here we have a guy. It, it, it is unbelievable how it, he speaks, not necessarily as much as the media would want you to believe this. He, he, he doesn't just speak partisan truths. Do I think one side is right more than the other? Absolutely. By a, by a long shot, but he's not willing, he's not willing to, to tell a lie just because it's what the party line says you should do. And I love that. I, I truly love that uh, because it is about what's best for Americans and not just Republicans or Democrats. So, yeah, I mean, the economy, as you mentioned, Paul, it's obviously been doing historically well prior to the China virus. And, you know, I, I think 
people don't give him enough credit for his response on that. I mean, certainly there are times where his communication could have been better, but at the end of the day, I think his overall plan has been really good and Americans have done really well. And trying to actually grasp a Joe Biden policy where you're going to be in a federal highway and he's going to require you to wear a mask in your car on a federal highway. I mean, we're getting into complete levels of insanity. So I think even on COVID-19, you have two different directions. You have a direction with a president who shut down travel early, who is getting a vaccine in record time therapeutics like Regeneron. And now we see an 85% improvement in mortality. And so what we see through all of the different actions of the Trump administration is we are turning the corner in this virus as far as how we react to it. And we do need to open things up so our economy can recover because the working man is Who's struggling here? And Joe Biden wants the opposite. Joe Biden wants to lock us down. He talks about a dark winter. So I think that really is also, you know, something we have to consider as well. Um, You know, the economy, over 11 million new jobs uh, since the pandemic. So the recovery is there. Still have a ways to go. But I feel confident with President Trump in charge, the economy is going to take a complete turnaround. We'll get back to where we were and possibly even better. So I think that's a big thing as well. So there's just a lot of different reasons that uh, you could vote for President Trump. Immigration, 450 miles of wall have been built, right? So that's over half of that key border area on the southern border. So the wall is being built, They believe it should be done by year-end. So we are cracking down on those immigration items. Joe and and Obama built the cages. Just ask them. But President Trump is trying to solve our immigration problems. He wants to come up with a health care plan that won't be socialized medicine. And I think, again, when you look at foreign policy, the historic peace deals. We have a peacetime, anti-war jobs president. I mean, again, the irony, Paul, as you pointed out, is decades ago, this would have been a Democrat candidate, right, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In a lot of ways, he's just JFK, you know? Yeah. Uh, He believes in lower taxes, and he's kind of a 19, early 1960s Democrat in a lot of ways, because it's not like he's— you know, uh, totally against uh, the government stepping in. And I mean, good grief. He, he signed the, sti- the, uh, the COVID-19 relief package where he just gave people direct cash deposits. You, you know what I mean? Uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, true dying the wool uh, fiscal Republicans that would never agree to that. I mean, they did because, you know, they voted for it because the president basically said, hey, you're going to vote for this. And it's and he and but he's not the left and the left right now. just wants to burn our entire institutions down. They don't want he says it's so good. So, so many times they don't want us to have a country. And then you found out these these lunatics over on the left, uh, Brad, that are voting, who thought that when the president talked about the, the you know, the kids in cages and Obama and he mentioned that, hey, look, yeah, they're separated from their parents because they came uh, across uh, with coyotes. 
and 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 people on Twitter uh, actually thinking they were confused because they didn't know what a border coyote was. They didn't know about sex trafficking, human trafficking. That's what I tell people. Say, well, the president, you know, he's racist against Mexicans. No, 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 he's not at all. He's trying to. Uh, secure the country and in so also doing stop the slave trade that's left in the world. And the Democrats try to take the moral high ground here. Are you kidding me? He's he's trying to stop. Uh, and, and so I thought that was good. Who knows how many young people were confused and actually before they went and tweeted, looked it up and got educated about this uh, huge problem uh, on the southern border. I mean, it's one of the uh, before the president was here, it was one of the most dangerous places on the face of the planet, southern border. I mean, you, you could get killed. They, they found vans just full of torsos, human torsos. Uh, they have trees. You know, they had trees where they had, um, you know, they, they would put win, women's undergarments on the trees. It was like rape trees, kind of like trophies. I mean, sick, sick, sick stuff. And you have Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats saying, you know, a wall is, immor- is immoral. It's just immoral to put a wall up. Are you kidding me? Can we stop the sex trafficking? Can we stop the human trafficking? Can we stop the illegal immigrants? As, and, and, and also protect our jobs and our wages. It's not too much to ask. Yeah, if you don't have borders, you don't have a country, period. Uh, so, you know, and the irony, of course, again, uh, the Nancy Pelosi's, the Hillary Clinton's all voted for border fencing, right? So it, it's just a matter of convenience. But again, no borders, no country. And one of the other major accomplishments of the Trump administration is the Supreme Court justices three of them. That's incredible over a first four-year term. And I can't help but think, if he's reelected, is there an opportunity for Supreme Court justices to retire and him to replace them with someone more in that age range of the Amy Coney Barrett to really secure the Supreme Court for people who will go by the letter of the law instead of a liberal agenda like the Democrats want? I can't help but think... Uh, based on how the Obamacare, the original Obamacare opinion was written, the minority opinion, okay, in that 5-4 decision that said Obamacare is constitutional and the individual mandate is constitutional. If you go read the minority opinion, to this day it reads like a majority opinion, suggesting that John Roberts switched at the last minute. Anyway, not to get too conspiratorial, but it's always, I'm telling you, there's something about John Roberts that does not sit well with me. I got a funny feeling. I mean, again, it feels more like we have a 5-4 majority right now uh, with Amy Coney Barrett as an associate justice. You know, you can't count on Justice Roberts. So that's why I think, you know, the Supreme Court element uh, can't be understated. It really can't. Uh, And the more we can build on that, uh, the more that we should within the nine. Now, Democrats have told you they're going to pack the Supreme Court. I wonder how they feel about that if President Trump is reelected. Would they be so willing to consider packing the Supreme Court then? Yeah, and, and we might keep the Senate and might gain a seat. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, it, it should be very, very interesting. But I think what we've laid out here, Paul, is a good case of why you should never vote for Joe Biden. I think that's <laughs> evident. And then a case for President Trump. And voting for President Trump doesn't mean that you love his personality, right? I mean, we talked about this last week. There are people we both know who held their nose and voted for President Trump. Again, we're not two of those people. But considering the options and considering President Trump's accomplishments, this does seem to be a complete no-brainer. 
this isn't a hard decision, right? We're not choosing between ketchup and mustard. Uh, you know, th- this is as clear of a difference as it gets. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we've laid it out clear. I would just add, um, if you want to continue to see change and you don't want to con- get jaded with pol- politicians being typical politicians, uh, you got to vote for President Donald Trump. Make sure you get out and vote. Get out and vote. Get five people you know to vote. Help them get to the voting booth. Vote early. Just make sure you vote. Trump 2020. It really is that simple. The choice is really clear. Hopefully you've enjoyed the show as we laid out the case for re-electing President Donald J. Trump. Yeah. <laughs>